Today, I'm joined with Michael Unbroken of Think Unbroken, who teaches people how to get unstuck, learn to love themselves, become the hero of their own story by taking control of trauma and abuse. And Michael, thank you so much for being here, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, brother. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to get into this because I imagine you probably have a pretty wild story. So I'd love to hear how all this began for you. What was what was the beginning that started opening up your um, your mind and your experience to um, to lead you down this path? Yeah, you know, it's been a, a really interesting journey. And, you know, when I share it, people go, man, that's like a a movie and I'm like, well, it's real life. And even I have these moments when recanting it or when being on stage or traveling the world, I'm like, damn, yo, this is crazy shit. Um, when, when I, I'll just kind of give you kind of the, the linear experience here. When, when I was four years old, my mother, who was a drug addict and alcoholic, um, she cut my finger off and people will always go like, well, how could your mother do that? I'm like, well, she was perpetuating the continuation of trauma and abuse hurt people, hurt people, right? She married my stepfather when I was six. He was super abusive. I mean, he would kick the shit out of my brothers and I put me in the hospital like the whole nine. And we spent the majority of our childhood deeply impoverished and and even a homeless quite frequently. And this was all kind of like while growing up in, in the Mormon church. And I spent between eight to basically 12 years old with 30 different families just getting pawned off place to place to place. And I always felt very out of the loop, out alone, broken, right? That word. And, and like no one cared about me. No one loved me. And I, I remember I'd lay in bed at night and I'd be like, I wish my real dad would come and save me. Right. Just thinking like that moment was going, this is the, I think this is the most disheartening thing about being a kid from, a, from an abusive background is you just lay in bed at night and pray somebody's going to come. And ultimately you find the, the truth of life is that they're not coming and there's no Disney moment and nobody's coming to rescue you, which is, is most, both simultaneously incredibly defeating, but also incredibly powerful once you understand the truth of what that means for you to take control over your life. And so by the time that I was 12 years old, my grandmother adopted me. So I'm biracial, black and white. And my grandmother's a super racist ass old white lady from a town in Tennessee you never heard of. So insert identity crisis, right? And I'm sitting here. I mean, my grandma's so racist. We had a copy of Mein Kampf, Hitler's autobiography on our kitchen table, right? And, and I remember being 12 years old. I got high for the first time, drunk at 13. By 15, I was expelled from school for selling drugs. And I was still in cars, breaking in houses, hurting people, running from the cops, getting shot at, like living this really crazy ass life because I didn't know anything else. That's just what I thought you did. And, and the getting high and the getting drunk, that stuff felt like a solution for the abuse because when I was high, when I was self-medicated, I wasn't worried about the pain. I wasn't worried about the suffering. I wasn't worried about getting evicted. I finally got put into a last chance program. So... I'm like 17 and they're like, look, come back to school. We're going to put you in this program and you know, good luck. Well, what's really incredible happened at that time. I actually had put my, a restraining order on my mother. Like literally I put a restraining order on my own mom and my stepfather. And you could watch what happened in my grades 
I got straight A's for the first time in my life. I was showing up to school. I was captain of the wrestling team, on the football team, on the baseball team, dating a cheerleader. Like it was really this interesting thing that started to happen. And then when I was about 18, um, my grandmother, after my mother got out of rehab, let my mother move back into our house. And like, you could watch it like clockwork and it was just boom, right back to straight Fs, missed a hundred days a year, my senior year, ultimately didn't graduate high school on time. And, and I remember my, my high school girlfriend, she calls me and I'm at home, I'm stoned, I'm playing video games. And she's like, uh, your name's not on the graduation list. And I knew why, like, oh, and dude, I knew why. And so I went to school, I went up to Mr. Bush's class, second floor of the building in the back left corner. And I wait for the period to end. And he comes out and like, I rate cause I'm fucking 18 years old. I'm like, how dare you fail me? Right. And he goes, I didn't fail you. You failed yourself. And what you need to understand about life is that you can't get by on your charms and your good looks. If you want something, you have to earn it. And that was literally the first time in my life anyone had ever actually stood up for me. Because what he taught me in that moment was that he cared. And even though it was this thing where like maybe he saw something in me I didn't see, I have no idea, but he put his foot on the ground where everyone else had always passed me. They were just like, we'll get rid of this problem, kid. He said, no, you're going to learn a lesson today. And dude, I was so embarrassed. Like, I cannot even explain to you how embarrassed. And so embarrassed, I got uninvited from every graduation party. I got ostracized from all of my friends. I became the laughing stock of the entire school. It was impossible not to graduate from that high school. Harris Polls did a study called the Dropout Factories of the worst high schools in America. I was on, that school was on that list. That school is now defunded and closed because it was such a terrible environment. And I found myself now in this situation, having to go to summer school and the teacher of summer school, he, he just goes, dude, we're just going to pass you. It doesn't matter. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. That's an interesting juxtaposition to what just happened. And so I'm sitting here trying to figure out my life with a, a high school diploma literally handed to me. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And I thought to myself, oh, I know the solution for poverty and abuse. It's money. How could it not be? The only thing we ever had that was problematic in our life, at least what I thought, was money because we never had it. We were always getting evicted, water getting turned off, power getting turned off, whatever. And a car's repoed, right? I definitely remember that happening a few times. And, and then being in this position where I was like, okay, I need to make $100,000 a year legally by the time that I'm 21. And the legal part was so incredibly important Owen, because as of today, my three childhood best friends have been murdered. I knew where I was going. I was on the path. It was right there in front of me. It was just waiting to happen. And so I made that declaration and I started learning skills. I got a job at a fast food joint, became a general manager in training. At 18 and some change, I had over 52 people under me. I was in leadership at a, as a baby. I was, teach, you know, I was leading people who are four times my age and, and half my age, right? And so... I started learning, but I knew that that wasn't going to be the thing that got me to where I wanted to go. And one day I was talking to a friend on MySpace, so I'll age myself a little bit. And this kid went to the same high school I went to, same experience, same fucking neighborhood. I could walk to his house in five minutes and, and he had just got a Tahoe. And I was like, how did you get a Tahoe, man? What are you doing? 
Like I'm barely paying rent, living out on my own, only eating at work because that's how poor I was. And, and he was like, dude, I work for an insurance company. I was like, oh my God, you can do that? Because I didn't know you could do that. The only thing I ever saw growing up was warehouse job, unemployment centers, fast food. I never knew you could do that. And so I was like, ah, that's the window. That's how you get there. And I don't, I don't remember how much money he made, but I was like, that's how I get there. And so I just started writing resumes and cover letters and learning skills and researching companies. I applied to every insurance company I could find. And it was just day after day after day after day. And eventually I landed a job with a fortune 10 company. And by the time that I was 21, I cashed my first check for $10,000. I hit that goal. I started making $100,000 a year legally. I did exactly what I said I was going to do. But that thing happened to me that happens to people when they get money. And it destroyed my life. And so I found myself by the time I was 26 years old, I'm 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, getting high from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, cheating on my girlfriend. And that's when I put a gun in my mouth. I was just done, man. I was like, I thought money was supposed to solve all these problems. What I didn't realize, though, is money is a catalyst for change in your life. It's just energy. And the next day after putting the gun in my mouth, I'm laying in bed. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. Keep in mind, I'm 350 pounds. I'm smoking a joint, eating chocolate cake, and watching the CrossFit games. Like, dude, if that's not rock bottom, I don't know what is. And so, and so I, I get up and I go and I look in the bathroom mirror. I've no, to this day, I have no idea why I do this. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I remember being eight years old and the water company had come and turned our water off. And this is like blistering hot Indiana summer day. And I go in the backyard and I take this little blue bucket and I walk across the street to the neighbor's house. And I turned on the spigot on the side of their house. And for the first time I stole water. And I just remember being like, dude, when I'm a grown up, this won't be my life. And it wasn't my life to some extent. I had money, I had clothes, I had shoes, I had women. I had this crazy lifestyle at a very young age. But I was still that hurt, lost little boy. And as I looked in that mirror, I realized I'd broken that promise to myself as a kid. And I asked myself, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And the answer was no excuses, just results. And that moment singularly changed everything. And 11 years, almost 12 years later, here I am talking to you. And in that process, in that time frame, there's a tremendous amount of work that has taken place with hundreds of thousands of dollars and hours invested into myself. Therapy, group therapy, men's group therapy, trauma-informed therapy, CBT, EMDR, NLP, going and getting a coach, reading all the personal development books, going to the conferences, having mentors, investing in myself. And today I have like over 30 trauma-informed certifications and certificates. I've coached thousands of people around the world, tens of thousands of people every month listen to my podcast. I've number one best-selling book. I've been able to impact the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. But it all started with a question. What are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? 
I never anticipated any of this. This wasn't in my plans. This wasn't the life I was laying out in front of me. The only thing I want to do is get stoned, play video games, eat chocolate cake, man. That's chill. That's life. And I realized something really important that all the things that happened to us happened for a reason. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow because people would look at me and they'll go, dude, your finger got cut off. You were homeless. Your stepdad kicked the shit out of you. Like, how could that happen for a reason? Because every day I get an email from somebody that says I saved their life. Now I'll be clear. I, oh, and I, I've never saved anybody's life. Never except my own, but I've cre- been able to create the tools off my experiences and my education to be able to impact change in the world. And the really incredible part about this is I look at this and I go, dude, I'm just getting started. And when I put together this idea, this company think unbroken, it was about looking at my life through the scope of recognizing that for the entirety of my experience, everyone had called me broken for being homeless, for smelling like piss because we didn't have running water and I wet the bed as a kid, for being the poorest kid in the whole school, for being the kid with all the learning disorders, for being the aggressive kid, the violent kid, the chubby kid, for all the shit, right? And then being in my teens and my 20s and that being chaotic and people just always like, you're broken. And I'm like, that's just not me. It's like, you know, that's not who I am. That's not how I think. And I was like, man, if I could take what I understand about the world and just give it to people, maybe their life can be different too. And, and I sat one day about five and a half, almost six years ago now, and I thought, what is my life really about? Like, what do I really want to do? And I was like, I want to end generational trauma in my lifetime through education and information so another kid doesn't have to have a story like the one I just told you. Now, that idea, that goal, that vision, that dream, it's far-fetched, it's impractical, it's impossible, it's unreasonable, but that ain't going to stop me. And so here I am. Hell yeah, man. That's what a great story. I love that. Yeah, there's no such thing as too ambitious as far as I'm concerned. Well, what particularly uh, got you into the whole idea of of focusing and, and healing trauma? Was it your experiences as a child, you know, the shame and humiliation and the, you know, physical abuse and all of that? Or was it, um, was it uh, understanding that to just to heal yourself? Is that kind of how you went down that path? How did, how did those tools, I guess, come into your awareness? Well, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is when I was looking at my life, like, like I, I believe this to be true, like subconsciously and even consciously, we all know what we're supposed to be doing, but we don't because of whether it be limiting beliefs or past experiences, or, you know, we're, we're meeting other needs through other ways. And, and we're always kind of just right there in our own damn way. And so in that, what happened is I knew that what I needed to do, which was incredibly important was to get serious about things like therapy. That's where the jumping off point, get serious about learning how to eat right, get serious about physical movement, get serious about quitting smoking and making decisions to better my life. And the thing that came from that was just, I think by proxy education, because I realized like I'm very studious, dude. I read like 62 books last year. I'll read 50 this year. That's the number I want to get to probably 700 books in the last 10 years. Like I'm very studious. I take courses all the time. I'm coached by some of the greatest leaders in the spaces that I'm in. It's amazing what I'm able to learn and absorb. 
And at the beginning, it just was like, man, I don't know anything. So let me learn some stuff. And in that, what, what happened, what was really incredible was I just started putting out what I was learning and I was sharing it with people. And then people would message me and they would be like, Hey man, that thing that you shared, like I resonate with that. That was my experience or that thing that you shared changed my life or it turned into, Hey, will you teach me? Will you coach me? Will you help me? And I was like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just sharing what I'm learning. And then it just kept happening and happening. And, and some people, I'm, I'm very thankful because one person in particular, I won't say their name, of course, for confidentiality, but they were adamant, dude. They were like, yo, you need to help me. I'm going to keep bothering you. I'm going to keep emailing you and messaging you and DMing you until you help me. And I was like, shit, dude, leave me alone. I'll just help you. And, and that was what, four and a half years ago. And, and now again, I've been very fortunate to coach thousands of people, but like the, the truth about it is I was just taking care of myself first, right? It's that airplane mentality. I was pulling down that oxygen mask, hooking myself up, making sure that I could put myself in a position to be successful, knowing knowing I was set up for failure, period. And looking at that and going, nope, I don't accept it. So stepping into the trauma world is only literally because not only it was my experience, but dude, my life was a fucking disaster. It was a, it was a nightmare. It couldn't, the only way it could have been worse is if I killed somebody and I was in prison and which I promise you at one point in my life, I was on my way there right? 16 to 19 years old, man, I was doing some precarious shit. And, and I look at that and I go, I'm, I'm here to serve. I'm here to help people. There's a reason that all this stuff has happened. And so, you know, the, the ability to be able to show up and to be of service, I mean, it, it's everything in my life. Well, it shows, man, and it definitely shines through. And, uh, I can't thank you enough really for sharing your story with us because, that's a, that's a banger. <laughs> and I, there's so much of it I can relate to. Um, certainly not some of the, uh, specifics, you know, like, uh, but as far as your discovery and uh, understanding and your curiosity, uh, and your willingness to learn and studiousness, I can certainly understand that when I mean, your curiosity, you, you foster that and that passion leads to, the information that you need, that you need to incorporate in your life and teach others or whatever. And I think it's awesome that whoever that was chased you down, <laughs> good on them. <laughs> that probably snapped something in your brain like, oh, well, I guess I could do this for more people. And, and, <laughs> and it's awesome, dude. It's great to see you where you are, especially after such a, such a, a lot of shit. Yeah. Well, and you know, and we all can do this. I'm not special. You know, I tell people all the time, man, you know, people are like, well, what is the special talent? I don't have fucking any special talents. None. You know how fucking hard it is for me to learn stuff. You know how long it takes me when, I mean, I'll sit in a room, like I'm not flexing, I promise you, but I'm sitting here having dinner with three billionaires earlier this month, right? Having this conversation. I'm not a billionaire. Let's be clear about that. I'm having this conversation with these guys and it's just like, I don't even understand what they're talking about. And I'm like, I'm going to ask the question. I'm willing to be embarrassed. That's probably my superpower. I'm willing because you're out here so worried about raising your hand. I'm like, yo, me, I don't get it. I'm raising my hand. Explain it again. I remember like being in math, but my math teacher, my sophomore year of high school, I won't say her name. Um, she hated me, dude. 
she hated because I would just be like, I don't get it. Explain it. And she'd be like, come to tutoring after school. And I come to that tutoring after school. I'm like, I don't get it. My brain doesn't work like other people's brains. And so I've got to put myself in this position where I'm willing to fail publicly all the time, all the time, because that's the only way I've been able to get to where I am. And, and the truth about it is like, I, I don't give a shit if you don't like me or if you judge me or if you think I'm crazy or whatever. Dude, I get people every day that cancel me. They send me emails. They're like, how dare you talk about this? You don't have a college degree. I'm like, I don't give a shit about that. I live this. Like, why do I need a college degree to talk about real life? And so, you know, have I made mistakes in this business? Yes. Have I probably coached people wrong? Of course. Have I made mistakes myself? Oh, oh yeah, duh. But like, I'm not going to stop because that's the only way you're going to learn by the continuation of taking in data from failure. And, and that's what has been my greatest gift is, is looking at and being okay with that. Cause people are always like, man, I can't do this. Yes, you can. You're just afraid to fail. Change the way, change your narrative about failure and you'll change your life. See, people are afraid to fail because of ridicule of shame of guilt of that society will look at them a certain way. They already are judging you, man. So why are you tripping about it? You might as well go do that thing that you want to do. Cause I promise you people don't like you anyway. People are judging you. They hate your haircut. They hate your shirt. They hate your pants, the car you drive, the way you talk, the way you look. They ridicule you every time you walk down the street because it's human nature. We kind of suck, man. Like that's the truth about it. But when you, but when you move through it and you say, I'm going to show up as me authentically 100% and own it and be willing to face the ramification of being me, your life will be different. I promise. Yeah. And I think most people are, they're not concerned with you really. I mean, yeah, they'll make fun of you. They'll scoff at you or whatever, but like, ultimately, are they really going to take time out of their day to focus on anybody other than themselves? No, probably not. You know, so, you know, uh, so that's something to keep in mind too, for people, you know, I think about it. We can't help it. That's our human nature too, is where we're thinking about, well, what are people going to think about if I do X, Y, or Z? But it, it doesn't matter, you know, like it doesn't matter what they think. I, I, I like that take where like they're already judging you anyway, right? Like they already have an attitude potentially, right? Uh, so why not? I mean, it doesn't matter. It's six and one. Get out there, fail, you know, do the thing. Just take action and you will learn. And, you know, you learn more from the failures. It's cliche, but it's true. Like you don't learn when you do something perfectly. You know, you get a big pat on the back and everybody, you know, blows wind up your butt, you know, just because you did something well one time, do it again. And I bet it won't, you won't have the same result. <laughs> yeah. I, and, I saw this post the other day that was really fascinating. I cannot remember. I think it was Russell Brunson who posted it, but don't quote me. Uh, it said people only see when you've grown. They never see you when you're growing. That's great. That was really fascinating. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And private victory precedes public victory in every case. No one sees all the work that you do or whoever it is that gets on a, you know, lit up. You know, nobody sees all the hours and hours and hours and hours and days and years and, you know, all the sweat equity that people put into their development. You know, uh, they just see the end result and think, oh, wow, look, they're special. There's nothing special about anybody. You know, we're all stinky on the inside. That's for sure. And um, it takes work, you know, and and it takes failure to get to get to that point. But that's the problem is people are scared to risk that, to take that first risk. But 
you know, once you start to take that first risk and then you meet that first level, that first milestone, and you're like, okay, I see the process now. And then you can start to believe in something. So I love that you work with, um, with people who are, are dealing with trauma, especially with your background. That makes a ton of sense. Can you tell us just a little bit about, you know, uh, what you do, how you work with people and how you help them, uh, work through their trauma? Yeah, you know, I it's it's really interesting to me that the longer I do it, the more that I find that the answer to the question always seems to kind of be the same thing. And it's massive action. Take massive action. Be willing to face your fear. And so, you know, whether it's you've been through something incredibly traumatic like me or maybe minor things. I, I've worked with people of all scopes and all reality from all around the world. I've worked with people as young as like 20 years old in, in London to as old as 64 years old in West Virginia. Like it's crazy. And, and everyone is always seeking that one thing, being okay with that reflection in the mirror and living life on their terms. And so there, there's multiple facets to it, not only through writing and the podcast and speaking, but in coaching through the curriculums that I've built through the, I, I mean, I got an app people can download called Think Unbroken. Like, I mean, there's so many different elements of this that are practical for people. I'm, I'm literally putting the finishing touches on my next book called Unbroken Man right now. That is a, a man's guide to healing that I'm putting out literally for free. So, you know, it's because I'm like, I'm about creating change in the world. I don't give a shit about money. So if you're willing to come in and you're willing to learn and, and do what's there because it's practical, you know, your life will be different. Like, you know, I think it's really interesting that so often in, in kind of the personal development space, people focus so heavily on mindset things and like, you know, meditation and visualization and, and not that that stuff's not important because it is. And it's a part of my daily life too, but they miss the part about massive fucking action. They miss the part about doing the thing every day that they're supposed to be doing that they know they're supposed to be doing. And so when people come in to work with me, when we're going through coaching, it's about identifying goals, identifying what you want in your life, identifying who you are. 99% of people don't know their values. How can you have a life of substance without knowing your values? So we start there and then we start with boundaries because that's super, you, oh, and you'd be shocked how many men come into coaching with me who can't say no. You'd be shocked, right? And then it's about creating and understanding your wants, needs, and interests. It's about building out and, and recognizing how you flow through the, the six human needs and Maslow's principles and all of the things that make us human being that we should be taught in school that we're not. But most importantly, if I were to summarize it all, and I know this is a long explanation, but if I were to summarize it all down in simplest form, I'm helping people create their identity. The thing about child abuse people don't tell you about that we don't talk about that's not understood in society, child abuse is the theft of identity. You're, you're who you are is being taken. It's being stripped from you. And so when you're 18, 36, 52 years old, you don't know how to be you because you've never been allowed to. So how do we do that? That's healing to me. I tell people all the time, like, I... This is going to be a weird thing to hear if you've never heard anything like this before. I only do what I want to do, and I never do what I don't want to do, ever. That doesn't mean I know the minutia and the monotony because it's like that's life. But what that means is showing up for yourself, having your boundaries, operating through your value system and your moral character, creating who you are, being willing to say yes and say no because you choose to, not because you're appeasing other people. 
that's healing. When you can get to that place, when you show up to life as you unapologetically, you're winning. Yeah, man, that's great. I love it. I love your work. I love what you're doing. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to read your new book. And uh, yeah, man, I, uh, yeah, please tell people uh, the best way to track you down on the uh, World Wide Web there. Yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere at Michael Unbroken on all the platforms. Um, but I tell people all the time, if you listen to the Think Unbroken podcast, if you just go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com or search Think Unbroken on iTunes, uh, everything I teach is there for free. It costs you zero dollars. That's amazing, dude. I love it. Yeah, I love your passion. And, uh, and I'm with you too, as far as I'm definitely not in this for money. I didn't ever even know people had coding programs on the back, you know, uh, for years. I was just making YouTube videos and trying to share any of the information that I found helpful that I personally implemented and experienced, you know. So we definitely have that in common. And I, I've been I've been taken very well care of by the universe. I imagine you have too. <laughs> so I certainly have no complaints. But I do uh, I do really appreciate uh, your passion and your stance and. Uh, yeah, man, let's uh, let's stay in touch and let me know how I can help you. And uh, thanks, everybody, for checking this out. Be sure to go check out Michael's stuff. It's awesome. I'll be sure to put all the links in the show notes. Check out his podcast, Think Unbroken. Get out there and take some fucking action, people. Um, I couldn't agree more. And dude, what a what a great what a great time. Thank you for coming out. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. My pleasure.